All right, so with that said, now we're just going to flow right into this and get into the Word. And like I said, what I want to do is, is I want to uh, break down the Word today. My prayer is that the Word today stirs a hunger in your heart, and then that's going to lead us right back into worship. And then we'll get to the offering and the announcements at the end, but we're really just going to focus on seeking the Lord and pressing into worship for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So if you've got your notes, you can find them in the bulletin. You can find them in the church app. They're attached to this video on our website, or they're attached to this audio podcast if you're listening to this audio. Here's our big picture point today. We seek a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit today so that we can live in a heightened awareness of all that was made available through the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Right, So we seek a fresh outpouring today so that we can live in a heightened awareness of all that was made available through the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now let me just start by addressing the elephant in the room. And that is that you might be thinking to yourself, Pastor, you spent an entire sermon last Sunday talking about the personhood of the Holy Spirit and how important it is that we understand the Holy Spirit as a person of the Godhead, as a person of the Trinity, so that we can walk in intimacy with the person of the Holy Spirit. And now, a week later, you're talking about the Holy Spirit pouring out and you don't pour people out, right? Because that would look gross, all right? So if we're talking about pouring out the Holy Spirit, we're talking about like water and oil and stuff like that. So what is it, Pastor? Is it the personhood or is it the pouring out? And my answer would be this, that most of us are Greek thinkers. And in Greek thinking, it has to be either or. It has to be one or the other. It doesn't make sense to be both, so we got to decide which one it is. We're Greek thinkers. But the Bible was not written by Greek thinkers. The Bible was written by Hebrews in a Hebrew culture, and they were Hebrew thinkers. And in Hebrew thinking, they don't focus on either or. They focus on both and. Hebrews love balancing the tension between two opposites. They don't try to solve it. They don't try to choose one or the other. They enjoy the depth of the tension of understanding both. And so that's where we're going to live. We're going to live in the tension of understanding both, that the Holy Spirit is both a person that we can walk with in intimacy, but that the Holy Spirit also is poured out. And there is something to be learned about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So that's my answer, is that we're going to live in the tension of both. So the journey that God took me on this week is, is I really wanted to understand the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so I began to study the Old Testament. And God brought me to four of the most significant prophecies in the Old Testament of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And all four of these prophecies have a new covenant edge to them, right? Which means that they were referring not to the days they were in of the old covenant, but they were looking forward to a new covenant and that in the pouring out of the Holy Spirit would be a day of a new covenant. And we know now that that new covenant came through the blood of Jesus. 
And so I want to look at these four. These aren't the only four, but I think these are the four that had the most significant new covenant edge to them when it came to prophesying the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I want to look at what all four of these tell us about the outpouring of the Spirit. And then I want us to get to the actual day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and, and what they experienced that day. So that's where we're going today. That's the roadmap. So let's dive into this. The first of our four Old Testament prophecies is in Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 and verses 28 and 29 says this, It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. What's the difference between a dream and a vision? Apparently, it's how old you are, okay? So if you're old, it's a dream. If you're young, it's a vision. You decide which one you qualify for, all right? Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will pour out my spirit in those days. So the first thing that we learn about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is that it would make the Spirit available to everyone. It would make the Spirit available to everyone. Now you got to understand that God was very purposeful in the words that he gave to Joel. Because Joel was writing in a patriarchal society. What that means is in a patriarchal society, the people that in charge are generally men, not women. They're generally older, not younger. And they're generally landowners, not servants, right? So if you were a man and you were older and you were a landowner, you had the authority, you had the influence, But God wanted to make it very clear that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would be available to everyone. So what does he say? He says, male and female will receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So it's not just men, it's men and women. He says that your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions, right? He's saying it's not just the old that are going to receive this. It's the old and the young. And then he says, even your servants will receive this. So it's not just the landowners, it's also the slaves, the servants, right? He is making it very clear that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is available to everybody, No one is disqualified. When the Spirit pours out, everyone can have the opportunity to access Him. The second thing He says is that when the Spirit is poured out, our sons and our daughters, men and women, would prophesy. And so the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would usher in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit is poured out, we're going to begin to see the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. First and foremost, being prophecy, right? What did Paul say about the gifts of the Spirit? In 1 Corinthians 14.1, he said, Pursue love, yet earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially that you may prophesy. And he goes on to say, because everyone who prophesies provides edification and exhortation and consolation. Now, if you don't normally use those three words, my pastor explains it like this. He says, edification means to build up, exhortation means to stir up, and consolation means to cheer up. 
So to prophesy is to build up, to stir up, to cheer up. So Paul, even when he was looking at the operation of the gifts of the Spirit, said, the one I want to see the most is prophecy. And when Joel prophesied about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the first gift of the Spirit he mentions is prophecy. But it's not just prophecy. It's that prophecy would be one of the primary one of the most significant ones, but that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would usher in this age that we live in of the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, there's this fascinating story in Numbers chapter 11 regarding Moses and the prophesying elders. In Numbers chapter 11, uh, Moses is frustrated, as he was many times, leading a large nation of people who were generally stubborn and were having a hard time figuring things out. And Moses was frustrated, and he was overwhelmed, and he was having one of those prayer sessions with God where he's like, God, why did you give me these people? I didn't birth these people. Why did they become my responsibility? What am I going to do with these people? Right? And God's answer to his prayers were, I want you to take 70 men. Appoint them as 70 elders, and I will take my spirit from you, and I will put it on them also, and they will help you carry the burden of this people. And so Moses does what the Lord says. He goes and he appoints 70 men as elders, and he calls them to gather around the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And as they gather around, the cloud of God falls. God takes the same Holy Spirit that's upon Moses, puts it upon these 70 elders, and these 70 elders begin to prophesy. Right? Because when the Spirit comes, the gifts of the Spirit begin to flow. They begin to prophesy, but then there's this fascinating phrase... In Numbers 11, in verse 25, it says, But they did not do it again. They prophesied one time, but then they did not do it again. And this is very indicative of the Old Testament. And as you read through the Old Testament, the Spirit would fall on people, and the gift of the Spirit would come out of them, but it was always for a one-time occasion. Very rarely was it an extended thing except for maybe some specific point people, such as Moses. So they prophesied one time, but then they did not do it again. But here was the problem. Two of the 70 men, for some reason, did not obey Moses and go to the tent. They stayed in the camp. But guess what? The Holy Spirit still fell on them, even though they didn't go where they were supposed to be. And so they're in the camp, and they start prophesying. And when everybody is going home from the tabernacle, they're still in the camp prophesying. And they didn't stop like everybody else stopped. And so Joshua says, Moses, my Lord, restrain them. He's like, stop them from doing this. Now, you know Joshua... Moses was the mentor, Joshua was the mentee, right? Joshua was the, the, the loyal servant of Moses, the, the leader in training. And so we see the loyalty of Joshua coming out here where, where he's like, Moses, don't let them do this. Why? Because Moses was the prophet. Moses was the man of God. Moses was the one who had the Holy Spirit and could prophesy. And if other people were prophesying, Joshua saw that as a threat to Moses' authority and his position and his power. And Joshua was threatened. But I want you to hear Moses' response. Numbers 11 and verse 29. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? 
Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Moses was not threatened by these men prophesying. In fact, Moses let his heart be known. It's my heart that everyone would have the Holy Spirit and that everyone would prophesy. And what we're seeing now is generations later, Joel is prophesying the very fulfillment of Moses' heart. That the Holy Spirit is going to fall on everybody and everybody is going to prophesy. Come on. It's available to everybody. And that everyone can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And in the new covenant age, it doesn't just fall on us for a one-time shot. When he comes, he stays. And we have access to the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 44. Starting in verse 3. God speaks through the prophet Isaiah. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. Again, what do we see the Holy Spirit as? As water being poured out. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants, and they will spring up among the grass like poplars by streams of water. This one will say, I am the Lord's, and that one will call on the name of Jacob, and another will write on his hand, belonging to the Lord, and will name Israel's name with honor." So when Isaiah prophesies of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, what do we see? We see that it would mark us as belonging to God. It would mark us as belonging to God. He says when the Spirit falls on him, this guy's going to be running around saying, I'm the Lord's. And this guy's going to be naming the name of Jacob. And this guy's going to be speaking the name of Israel. And he's going to be putting some respect on that name. And and this guy's going to write it on his hand. I belong to the Lord. I got home. What was this, Friday night? I got home from work, and Hannah says, look at my feet. And I look at her feet, and there's pink and there's purple ink, and she's decorated her toes, not her toenails, mind you, but the toes themselves. And I said, what's going on? And she says, we went to the warehouse, and they had body ink. Whoo! And she is all weekend long, she has been enjoying writing on herself. Well, God says when the Holy Spirit falls, we're going to write on ourselves. And the words we're going to write on ourselves is, I belong to God. The Holy Spirit pouring out is going to mark us as the people of God. And we're going to find a belonging in the family of God. And everyone's going to know that there has been a distinction. We belong to God. Come on. Let's go to Ezekiel. What did Ezekiel prophesy? Verse, uh, chapter 36, verse 26. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances, right? So through Ezekiel now, God is saying that I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And when I give you my Holy Spirit, 
something new is going to happen in your heart. And that hard, stubborn heart is going to be softened. And in the softening of your heart, with the Holy Spirit within you, you're going to be able to obey my word. Now, how was God going to give the Holy Spirit? Well, if we fast forward a couple of chapters to Ezekiel 39, God says, I will not hide my face from them any longer, for I will have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel. And so Ezekiel is prophesying that when the Holy Spirit is poured out, it is going to mark a new covenant. And we are no longer going to be under the old covenant, but we're going to be under a new covenant. And whereas the old covenant was based on words and law, in the new covenant, the words are going to be written upon your heart because I am going to put my Holy Spirit in your heart. And with the Spirit inside of you, you're going to be able to obey my words. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would give us a new heart so that we can live in obedience to God's Word. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, something new is going to happen inside of us. Let's do one more. How about the prophet Zechariah? Chapter 12 and verse 10. I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. He says, I will pour out my spirit on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And what does he say? It will be the spirit of grace and of supplication. What is supplication? Supplication is a fancy word for prayer. It's a certain variety of prayer. It's a certain bent of prayer. But what I want us to understand is that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would ignite a hunger for intercession. The more the Spirit pours out, the more we're going to want to pray. And what is this specific kind of prayer that the Bible calls supplication? It's a humble request for help or mercy. It's a crying out for help or mercy. It's a crying out from a place of humility, from a place of brokenness, from a place of understanding that God has all the power and we don't, and saying, Lord, would you come help? Lord, would you come show your mercy? Would you come help me? Would you come help my family? Would you come help my neighbor? Would you come help my auntie? Would you come help my coworker? Lord, would you come help? A hunger for intercession as the Spirit of God pours out. And then what would happen? It says they would look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. Now, they may not have known what that meant when Zechariah spoke that, but now we know who's the only son that we pierced. Jesus. And so the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would lead to repentance and brokenness before our Savior. That we would look upon the one who had to die for our sins, the one who was pierced because of our iniquities, and we would be brokenhearted because of our sin, and we would look upon him and we would mourn, and in our brokenness we would repent before the Lord. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is going to bring about a greater level of repentance and brokenness. Right, which Luke writes about in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. 
He says, therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And then finally, let's sneak in a New Testament one here because it's not in the Old Testament, but technically Jesus is prophesying it before it happens, so we can still count it as prophecy. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So we know that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would give us the power to fulfill Jesus' ministry. What was Jesus' ministry? It was to seek and save the lost. It was to take the Jubilee promises and make them available to everybody, everyone who would be willing to receive the gift, everyone who would be willing to surrender to Jesus as Lord. And so we now, as his witnesses, carry on that same Jubilee ministry that we want to carry the promises of the gospel to a lost and broken world. And it is the power of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is going to allow us to fulfill that ministry. Whew, all right, we're talking about it. This is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and this is what I want you to get, is that all five of those prophecies, all of those promises, everything that we just talked about was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, and remember what we talked about, the Jubilee was the 50th year, the Pentecost was the 50th day. And God chose the 50th day symbolically to represent the 50th year to recognize that the Jubilee ministry of Jesus was now being handed to us and we were going to live in a perpetual Jubilee. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I want you guys to catch this. There was a, a noise it doesn't say the wind was blowing. It just says there was a noise, like a wind was blowing. There was a, a noise, and it filled the place where they were gathering, and eventually even everybody outside could hear the noise. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And we know that at the day of Pentecost, there were Jews from all over the Roman world who spoke all different languages and different dialects who were in Jerusalem that day to celebrate the festival. And every one of them heard God being glorified in their own language. And they said, what's going on? And some of them mocked it and said, these men must be drunk. We get to verse 14, but Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words, for these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day, about nine o'clock in the morning based on how they kept time. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel, and it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. What is Peter recognizing right now in this moment? He is recognizing that what they're experiencing as they have gathered in this room and they're all speaking in tongues, he is recognizing that what they are experiencing is the fulfillment of all of the prophetic words regarding the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
All of those prophetic words are being fulfilled right now in this moment on the day of Pentecost at 9 o'clock in the morning. It was being made available to everyone. They were operating in the gifts of the Spirit. There was a brokenness and a repentance before the Lord. There was a new passion for prayer. There was a new understanding that now it was not the seed of Abraham that was the true Israel. Now it was the believers in Jesus Christ that were the true Israel and that they belonged to God. Right? You, you see that all of the promises are being fulfilled. The power to carry on the ministry of Jesus. All of the promises promises are being fulfilled in this one moment, in this outpouring on the day of Pentecost. So if we go ahead and skip forward a little bit, Antonio, it says the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost fulfilled all of these prophetic declarations about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So from that day until the second coming of Christ, we are living in the age of the Holy Spirit. We are living in the age of the perpetual jubilee. We are living in the age of the church of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is available. Now here's an important point. The events of the day of Pentecost will not be repeated again. In fact, they don't need to be repeated again. You hear it sometimes in church circles. We need another Pentecost. We, we want it to look just like the day of Pentecost. We want to see tongues of fire on our head. We, we want this. Let me be clear. We don't need another Pentecost. The one was enough because the one fulfilled all of the prophetic words and ushered in the age of the Holy Spirit, which means the Holy Spirit is fully available to any believer or gathering of believers in this age. Right? Now, it does have to be believers. You'll notice all of those prophetic words that we read. What did Joel say? It would be your sons and your daughters. Right? What did Zechariah say? That it would be on the house of David and the inhabitants of, of Jerusalem. What did Isaiah say? That it would be upon the people of Israel. What did, it, it, uh, what did Ezekiel say? It would be your offspring. Right? There was this sense that the Holy Spirit was always attached to Israel. And again, we know that today in the New Testament that the church is Israel. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is for believers in Christ Jesus and that we have access to the Holy Spirit, all of his gifts, all of his power, every promise. We have access to it. We don't need another Pentecost. We have access to it. So then that leads to our next question that I hope you're asking in your spirit right now, which is, then why should we pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit? If we don't need another Pentecost and we have access to all the promises of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, why should we pray for a fresh outpouring? Or what do we mean when we talk about an outpouring of the Holy Spirit for today? Well, my first answer is this, is that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, what did it mark? It marked the beginning of a new season. It was the season of the church. It marked now that it was no longer the seed of Abraham that were the chosen people of God, but now it was the followers of Jesus. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God can still use it to declare a new season. And that is why we are so hungry to see the Holy Spirit poured out as we celebrate our 50th anniversary. Because we believe that God is going to mark a new season as we move into a new 50 years of what God is going to do. A new thing over Kauai Bible Church. 
Also, why are we seeking an outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Because the outpouring of the Holy Spirit today means that obstacles or distractions are removed that have been blocking us from living in the fullness of the Spirit. Right? We have access to the Holy Spirit, but we allow some blockage, right? We allow some blockage. If you think of a uh, of a river that is flowing, and, and of course we've seen this on Kauai with the flood rains that we get, that as the river begins to flow out of control, it begins to gather up all the trees that are along the bank and rip them out by their roots, and the trees rush down the river until eventually the trees all hit something that they can't pass, like a bridge or a, a, a smaller part of the river where they're piled up against other trees. And once the trees pile up, the water begins to rush up against it, and the water can't continue to flow where it wants to go, and so everything begins to flood because the flow has been blocked. When we talk about an outpouring of the Holy Spirit today, what we're talking about is removing the trees so that the river can flow again, right? We don't need a new Pentecost. We just need the debris removed so that we can experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. What does the debris look like in our lives today? Well, it can look like sin. It can look like wrong priorities. It can look like spiritual attacks from the enemy that discourage us and cause us to lose hearts. It could be just getting caught up in the things of the world and getting so focused on the things of the world that we lose sight, that we are people who live for the kingdom of God and, and seeking the spirit. It could just be the, the dumb distractions like our phones that we've been talking about, that all of these things. And so when we're talking about an outpouring of the spirit, we're saying, Lord, clear away the blockage. We know the Spirit is available, but we've allowed some stuff to get in the way. And so whether that means I need to repent of my sin or relight the fire or rebuke the devil or get my eyes back on the things of heaven, whatever it is, Lord, let's get rid of the blockages. Whether there are spiritual blockades and plans of the enemy to try to hold us back and limit us, come on, let's break it down in Jesus' name. And then finally, getting back to what our main point was today. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit means a heightened sense of the awareness of all that was made available through that first outpouring. So what would it look like if the Holy Spirit poured out on Kauai Bible Church? There would be a heightened sense of hunger for intercession. We'd be praying like we'd never prayed before. There'd be a heightened sense of repentance as we all began to turn away from our sins and experience a new refreshing in the presence of God. There would be a new sense of brokenness as we are, are, are humbled before Jesus and all that he did for us. There'd be a new sense of belonging to God. There'd be a heightened awareness of the power that we have to be his witnesses in the world. There, there would be a heightened sense of the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as, as we operate in those gifts, the church would be stirred up to a new level. Come on, this is what the church would look like. Not that we need those promises to come again. They've already come, but we need a heightened awareness of them. We need this, this heightened sense that these promises are real. They're here. We're operating in them. We're seeing them at work in our lives. So what did they have on the day of Pentecost that we can glean from as we seek a fresh outpouring today? Well, God gave me just a, a, a moment of poetic inspiration 
All right? So, so you guys are going to roll with me on this, all right? This is my poetic inspiration. When it comes to waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, what did those first followers of Jesus have? They had the faith to obey, the hunger to pray, and the perseverance to stay. Come on. Woo! Yes. They had the faith to obey, the hunger to pray, and the perseverance to stay. Come on, say it with me. They had the faith to obey, the hunger to pray, and the perseverance to stay. Jesus told them, I don't want you to go anywhere until you've received the gift of the Father, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so what did they do? They obeyed. They believed enough in Jesus to believe that he would keep his word and that God would fulfill his promises, and so they obeyed. And so what does radical obedience look like in our lives? What has God spoke to you that you would say, I trust Jesus enough. I believe he will follow through on his word that I will live in radical obedience because I want to see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the faith to obey. How about the hunger to pray? It says in Acts 1.14 that they were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Do we have the hunger to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? And finally, the perseverance to stay. It said, we know that it took seven days for them to see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So they stayed for seven days. And in verse 15, it says that it was a gathering of about 120 persons. Why is this significant? Because we know from 1 Corinthians 15 that the resurrected Jesus appeared to 500 of his followers before he ascended to heaven. So what happened to the other 380 they didn't have the perseverance to stay. Come on. Will we be a people that has the perseverance to stay? Let me have the worship team come back up. And we're going to begin to seek the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're going to launch into this season of fasting and prayer. But I want to tell you, as I was at the MFI conference a couple of weeks ago, and one of the speakers was a man named William McDowell who uh, has a church in Orlando, Florida. He is also uh, one of the most world-famous gospel singers. Like his songs are played around the world. And if you're into black gospel, you would know him. And he has a powerful ministry. And, and so he was speaking uh, that day. And he was talking about hunger for the presence of God and seeking the presence of God. And and it was kind of funny because we've heard him speak before, and he is a phenomenal teacher. He can break down the Word of God. But he actually told us that day, he said, listen, I'm not going to teach the way you expect me to teach. He said, I'm going to get to shouting today because God has put something on my heart. And he did. He got to shouting. But as he's speaking, something happened. This couple, this husband and wife couple, and I don't know who they were. There was about a 1,000 people at this meeting, all different pastors and different church leaders from all over the world. And this couple, this husband and wife, were unannounced, uninvited, nobody had said anything. They just started sprinting down the aisle of this large sanctuary as fast as they could to the front of the church. And the church had one of those high stages, you know, it's kind of chest high or head high, depending on how short you are, right? Um, 
And they were running so fast, I thought they were going to bounce off the stage. I mean, they came sprinting in and just, just stopped right before they plowed into the stage. And everybody took notice. Why? Because it was awkward. They were breaking all the rules. You don't do that during church. Who gets up and sprints down the aisle? And so they stood there for a second, but the pastor was still preaching. And after they stood there for a second, they didn't know what to do. So then it got really awkward. They're like looking around, and I kid you not, they started pulling one of these right here. They just kind of started stepping back. But as they started stepping back, William McDowell saw them, and he stopped, and he said, hey, you don't need to go anywhere. You did exactly what God told you to do. You don't go anywhere. And wouldn't you know it that as he got back to preaching, that people from all over the sanctuary started getting out of their seats and running up to the front. And I was one of them. And the, the front of the stage was just packed with hundreds and hundreds of people who were weeping and crying out and seeking the presence of God. But listen, it took one couple to break the norms. It took one couple to do something different. It took one couple that wasn't afraid to seem a little bit weird because they were hungry for what the pastor was preaching about. And as we go back into worship today, I'm just wondering who's hungry enough to go first? Who wants the presence of God? Who wants the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Who wants to see God mark something new for this new season of Kauai Bible Church? and what he's going to do next, that we might live in this sense of revival. You know, Elijah, when he first appears in the Bible, the first thing he does is he prophesies a drought. He goes to the king and says, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. And it didn't rain for three years. And then we know the famous story of the showdown on Mount Carmel where he has this showdown with the prophets of Baal and they call on Baal and no fire comes. And then Elijah calls and the fire comes and then they slaughter all the prophets of Baal. And then Elijah, after all of this happens, says to King Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. It hasn't rained for three years. There's not even a cloud in the sky. But Elijah says, I hear the sound of a heavy shower. And what does Elijah do? He begins to pray. And he tells his servant, go look over the sea. And the servant says, there's nothing. And so Elijah keeps praying. Go look over the sea. There's nothing. So Elijah keeps praying. Go look over the sea. The servant comes back, and he says there's a small black cloud like the size of a man's hand. And Elijah says, that's enough. Here comes the downpour. He heard something that nobody else heard. So he was willing to pray for something that nobody else was praying for. If we're going to be a people who are hungry to pray, there's got to be a sound that we hear. Like on the day of Pentecost, the sound like a mighty rushing wind. Come on, is there a sound that you hear in the spirit that you would say, God, I want it to rain. I don't want business as usual anymore. 
I don't want just the same old thing. I want to see a move of God. I want to see my family saved. I want to see my neighbors in church. I want to see the church thriving. I want to see the island turned upside down. I want to see people sent all over the world. We got to hear the sound of rain before we ever see a cloud in the sky. And if we would hear that sound and we would have the hunger to pray and the perseverance to stay, could we see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our day? Could we see God mark a new season of Kauai Bible Church? Come on, will you stand with me? And I'll ask it again, who's hungry enough to pray? Who is hungry enough to pray? Who is hungry enough to be the first one to say, I'm going to break the norms. I'm going to do something different. Come on. I got to believe there's somebody. I got to believe there's somebody. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. We're going to begin to seek the Holy Spirit. We're going to sing a song. You may not know the song, but the song is a prayer. It's a cry. Holy Spirit, break out. Come on. Who wants it? Who wants it? Break the norms. Whatever you would normally do when the pastor says to pray, do something different. Who's hungry enough? Let's begin to seek the Holy Spirit. God, we cry out to you. God, we take the jar that is Kauai Bible Church and we hand it over to you. Lord, our necks are sore because we've been trying in our strength. And so, God, we give it to you and we say, Lord, take the lid off. Take the lid off and let nothing hinder the outpouring of your spirit. Take the lid off the church. Take the lid off our individual lives. Take the lid off of our doubts and our misconceptions. Take the lid off the hardness of our hearts. And Lord, pour it out. Pour it out. Come on, church. Let's go after the Holy Spirit. Do something to break the rules right now. Do something to break out of the norm. Come on, who's got faith to obey? Who's got hunger to pray? Who's got perseverance to stay? Let's seek the Lord together.